Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Here's a five-star review we recently received on Apple Podcast. She says, you won't find another like it. The only podcast that has returned some normalcy into my life and has helped me feel grounded. It reopened my eyes and freed them from the blinds that they were hidden behind from all the abuse and gaslighting from not only my partner, but toxic people around me as well. Porn use is abuse. And not only that, it's feeding so much toxicity in our society, ranging from human trafficking to the destruction of families. Just because credible information is not palatable to you does not make it false information. This generation has a lot of learning of healthy behaviors to do and a lot of unlearning of toxic behaviors to do. I'm beyond thankful to this podcast. I'd be believing the same lies and would be very, very ill from my trauma if someone did not speak up for such a vulnerable and underserved community. I'm healthy and can make healthy choices because of the wonderful team at BTR. They saved me from such a dark place. Thank you for your review. We're continuing the conversation with Kate Moore, author of The Woman They Could Not Silence. This book is available on our books page at btr.org books. You'll see it there under Spotting and Stopping Emotional Abuse. You'll also see all of our other curated books there. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, go listen to that first and then join us here today. Kate and I were talking about coveture, which encompassed the laws back in the 1800s that women were not entitled to their own wages, their own children, and they could be put in a mental institution by their husband for any reason whatsoever. After we talked about that, we went on to talking about how Elizabeth was so strong. And I wanted to talk about stereotypes that abuse victims are like wafy women who can't speak up for themselves, who have a hard time processing things. At Betrayal Trauma Recovery, we've seen that victims come in all shapes and sizes. All of our personalities are different. So many of us are strong and brave, and that's how Elizabeth was. So we're going to start the conversation by talking about these stereotypes and how people have a hard time wrapping their head around how strong women can be abused. So we're just going to jump right in abused women look a certain way. Maybe they don't have a voice or they're quiet or they're subservient or something like that. And I actually feel like women who are confident and self-assured 
and who are honest are even more abused at times, but they don't look like an abuse victim to people because they think, well, she's like telling everyone she's abused. She's telling people her husband had an affair. She's going to the PTA meetings. She's running for city council. Like, how could she be abused? And I'm wondering if one of the reasons why Elizabeth was so horrifically abused was because she was outspoken, was because she had this heart of justice. And because she spoke up, she got not necessarily more abused than other women of her time. But I don't want women to think like, oh, if I spoke up more or if I was a certain way, I wouldn't get abused. Because in some cases, I think those of us who stick it to the man, if I'm going to use that term, we almost get more abused and more vilified and more told that we're bad or evil or that, you know, we won't like stay in our lane. And to me, just hearing briefly about her today from you, it kind of feels like that's why. Would you say that her strength was one of the things that her husband found so threatening and one of the reasons why he abused her so severely? It definitely is why he abused her so severely. Absolutely. Her outspokenness actually was her downfall. That was why she was sent away. And it might seem shocking to listeners today, but actually psychiatry of the era declared that outspoken and assertive women were insane. That was medical science of the time backed up the husband in saying that, you know, this strong willed, this outspoken woman, well, she must be mad. That was what the medical textbooks of the era said. Women who had plenty of nerve were literally textbook examples of female insanity. Um, any educated or assertive woman was seen as liable to go mad, even a woman who simply read. I sort of found the records of the insane asylums of the era and a cause of madness in that time was reading novels. So any woman who's using her brain, who's using her tongue, was seen at risk of madness and was liable to be sent away just as Elizabeth was. So absolutely her strength was the reason that her husband wanted to dispatch her to the asylum. Well, and this generational trauma that women feel genetically or over time, it makes me want to pause and just point out that the abuse has worked. Like women say today, I'm not going to say that because he'll get angry or I can't do that because people won't like me or they're not going to think I'm okay. I prefer not to swear on this podcast because I know so many victims have been sworn at and I don't want to trigger anyone. So I'm going to use the word witch, but you know what I'm saying. They'll call a woman these, like, she's such a witch. She's so, you know, whatever. So other women are like, well, I don't want to be perceived as this difficult, pushy, aggressive woman. The overall, like, societal layering of abuse over generations of time has even now these repercussions where women think, I can't say what I think or I can't do what I think is right because people will not perceive of me as a nice person or as a, 
you know, like as cooperative, right? And I want to be perceived as kind and cooperative. It's so interesting you use the word cooperative there because my research didn't just look at the 1860s. I also researched into the 20th and 21st centuries as well. And a line that really stood out to me was from a patient in a mental hospital. And she said, if you're uncooperative, you're crazy. That was the thing. And that is experienced both in the 20th century and in the 19th century in Elizabeth's world. The only way they could get out from the asylum was to cooperate, was to paste on these smiles, was to simper sweetly, was to not talk about the stuff that was making them angry, stuff that was making them sad. They had to be these sort of cut out dolls. And that line from this woman in the mental hospital in the 20th century, if you're uncooperative, you're crazy. That for me just sums up really the whole situation. If you're not towing the line, whether that is within a relationship or whether it's in society, then you're crazy. And as I say, I just think it's so interesting you use that word because that was is what's coming up from people who have had experienced these things. That's how they summarize it. That is real time happening now. I would say even with women who aren't being quote unquote abused per se by their spouse, but maybe in the workplace or maybe in their church or, you know, something where they feel like I can't really be myself or say what I want to say. I have to say it in a certain way. There are so many of these restraints so that you're not perceived as this difficult, witchy jerk. And the bar is just so different for women than it is for men. And I love the saying with abuse, which makes everybody nervous, but I will not comply. And when you don't comply, when you start setting boundaries in whatever setting that is, that's when the abuse escalates, but the abuse looks like she's crazy, she's uncooperative, she won't work with us, she's so stubborn, those types of things. And nobody perceives of that as throwing her under the bus because she has a different opinion as abuse. They just see it as a point of view today because today no one's being thrown in in the scene. Well, maybe they are. Maybe some of them are. Well, actually, I was going to say, I, I've had readers contact me saying how haunting they found Elizabeth's story because similar things have happened to them. For example, the police are called because of a domestic violence incident. They don't help the woman. They talk to her husband and they say, if she's causing you trouble, we can make arrangements to have her taken away to the mental hospital. This was from 2017. A reader emailed me about that situation. I personally have interviewed people from the 1980s, for example, where an abusive husband got his wife sent away to a mental institution for several months, his word against hers, and they believed him. So she was sent away. So we think of it as history, but actually just from those few anecdotes that I have encountered personally, I think sometimes these things are still happening. Well, the most recent, like widely publicized case, I would say was Gabby Petito where you've got a film of the police talking to her boyfriend who is abusing her and the boyfriend calm and collected and saying, oh, she's just upset. She's, you know, explaining away her behavior is like, well, she's just a little crazy, essentially. And the police being like, oh, yeah, we get that. Just separate for the night or whatever. And then she ends up being murdered. So I think that would be most widely publicized recent case that we have seen of this exact same thing where she was called insane or at least not all there or upset or emotional or whatever we want to call it hysterical that's the other one hysterical oh yes 
hysterical. Which, of course, has its roots in hysteria, hysterectomy. It's all tied together etymologically, linking women and madness. It is maddening. It is. That was my draft title for the book, actually, maddening, because the situation is maddening for Elizabeth. But as I say, what's inspiring about her is the way that she manages to rise above it and fight back. And, you know, talking about what we were just talking about, I do want to share with your listeners another quote from Elizabeth. She herself was a brilliant writer. She kept this secret journal in the asylum, which I've been able to draw on for writing The Woman They Could Not Silence. And she really, therefore, has become The Woman They Could Not Silence because we hear her words through the years. And Elizabeth said, women are made to fly and soar, not to creep and crawl as the haters of our sex want us to. And I think, as you say, we do try and squitch ourselves into boxes sometimes. But if we can, we need to gather ourselves and fly and soar, uh, as Elizabeth Packard managed to do. And I hope people will really find her story inspirational. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote-unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org slash group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Here's a five-star review on Amazon. She says, perfect picture of the abuse dynamics. This book was like reading a condensed version of my life story. Add to it all the other forms of abuse and it would be a true account. All brought on by porn and a double life. Okay, now back to our conversation. We've talked about how her experience is so relevant today. So a century and a half later, let's pretend like Elizabeth shows up. She's able to see what's going on now in 2022 like if she could give us some kind of motivational speech or if she could point out something to us that maybe we're not even aware of what do you think she would say to us well I think she'd be disappointed that things haven't changed enough from her time I think you know she writes about wanting a female president and things like that we're still not there yet in terms of society being more equal But what I think she would do, actually, is straighten her shoulders. I think she'd pick up her skirts and she would go into battle. She'd go into battle for all of us. She was that kind of person. Um, A review in Australia actually just compared her. They described her as a battering ram in a bonnet. And that was Elizabeth Packard. So I don't know exactly what direct advice she would have. And in fact, Elizabeth was actually really the kind of person who wouldn't impart advice she would lead by example. So she would go into battle for us, I think. I think she would choose whichever battle she thought was the one that was the most relevant, and she would dedicate herself to making sure that wrongs were overturned and justice was done for everyone. That's the kind of woman that she was. That you said that makes me feel really good. I had a nickname in high school, and it was the Battle Axe. (laughs) I love it. And I loved it. I found it to be very endearing. And I want other women to feel that same way. Like if someone says you're too stubborn or you're, you know, whatever, like instead of being like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Let me get back in my box. Be like, of course I am. I'm stubborn for truth. I'm stubborn for justice. 
just like Elizabeth did. You don't have to back away from that. Like, yeah, I'm crazy because this is an insane situation. And anyone in this situation might be crazy because it's insane and it's not right. Yeah. Exactly. And that brings to mind, you know, some of the stuff that was said to Elizabeth. She was told, you know, the fact that she eventually hated her husband for putting her in the asylum, that was cited as evidence of her madness because a wife is supposed to be loving and caring. The fact that she was angry with her husband, that was cited as evidence of her madness because a natural wife, you know, a healthy wife, a well wife wouldn't behave in that way. And as you say, how do you respond to that, you know, anger inspiring insane situation but these are the kind of things elizabeth was up against that sounds really relevant wives who decide to go down the pornography addiction or sex addiction recovery route with their spouse are often told that like this isn't about you and so your anger isn't gonna serve him kind of a thing which is really interesting that a whole sort of industry is abusive to women but they don't perceive of that as abuse they just think they're helping her make sure that she can keep her marriage together something like that I think Elizabeth would probably like faint or something when she saw that going on I just want to say thank you for this opportunity really I'm such an advocate for Elizabeth Packard's story I hope that any of your listeners who read her story I think they'll be shocked by it I think they'll be shocked by what happens to her by the fact that medical science, the law, everything was stacked against her. But the inspiration of how she defies the odds, the inspiration of how she finds herself in the midst of this darkness and this oppression, I hope that shines a light for everybody. I just want to finish actually by sharing with you another quotation from Elizabeth. I know I keep talking about her and what she said, but I think putting her voice front and centre is what it's all about. And she said, I will not hide my light under a bushel. I will set it upon a candlestick that it may give light to others. And I hope anyone who reads her story in the woman they could not silence, I hope it lights your life. Thank you. Kate, thank you so much for your work. Again, you can find her book on our books page, btr.org slash books. You can find it on Amazon and you can find it on her website, kate-more.com. Thank you again, Kate, for all of your hard work in behalf of women everywhere. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on Support the BTR Podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 